power in the verse can stop me. What's going on guys? My name is Elden Nero and welcome to episode 43 of the Midnight Hour. I'm joined today by my original co-host who has evolved and come from out of the shadows where he's been for the last year. Uh, from Atlantis, no doubt. It's Jack. Wow, and the crowd goes quiet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm back. I've finally uh, quit my job, which has been what's been holding me back for the last year essentially <laughs> you know as they do those bloody jobs the midnight hour has finally got corporate sponsorship and now you yeah. can quit your job and do this full time so no exactly yeah for anyone who doesn't think I make a lot of YouTube money let's, <laughs> uh, you guys don't even know. <laughs> oh. basically for every view this show gets we each get five dollars five whole dollars exactly so, yep, that's what's gonna be happening. Lots more at the midnight hour. No, that's not true. Lots of regular yeah. at the midnight hour, no, yeah. maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we don't really have a particular topic or pattern planned for this episode, but we think you're gonna really like what we have to talk about. So, uh, starting off is a story that has fascinated me for a very long time, and we've kind of toyed with this over the last few weeks. We've had stories of people who have died and then seen things after they've died. Um, but this one is a lot different because this revolves around a woman by the name of Pam Reynolds. Um, now she had a brain aneurysm, as far as I know, in the year 1991 when she was 35 years old. Uh, this needed surgery or she would have died and only a few surgeons in the world could complete this kind of surgery because it involves stopping the heart and draining the blood from the brain in order to operate. So like in England, if your heart stops, you're clinically dead, but most places in the world, you're not clinically dead until your brain stops because that's when it gets serious. So to live during this surgery, you essentially have to die. Um, but the reason this is such a different uh, story, uh, such a different near-death experience is that Pam Reynolds saw herself floating above her body while she was in the surgery. That's not too unusual for near-death experiences. <laughs> it's very unusual out with that. <laughs> no, yeah. um, but she actually witnessed the doctors operating on her using tools that she'd never seen before but was able to accurately describe. Like She described the uh, the tool they used, I think maybe to cut her skull open yeah. um, as something that looked like an electric toothbrush. Uh, she saw the boxes with all the heads for this tool that looked like uh, cabinets that her dad used to have in his shed and things like that. But her brain had no blood flowing through it during this time and there was no brain activity at all. So in order to be able to witness this, you kind of have to go with the supernatural thing, I yeah. guess. Um, but she then saw like a bright white light, which is kind of typical. Um, she followed it and had a very deep conversation <laughs> with her grandmother because she was wondering if she deserved to be in heaven. And her grandmother was like, look, like people mess things up. I think she said you were a child. Um, and you spilled milk, mm. that's not important. What's important is how you clean it up. So uh, yeah. that's obviously a metaphor that reflects how good of a person she's grown into. <laughs> uh, she was told she wasn't allowed to follow the light, but realized that she was standing in the breath of God. Um, as the surgery came to a close, she got closer and closer to returning to her body, which was being warmed up by the paramedics. And then she tried to fight against it because she didn't actually want to go back. <laughs> but as they kick-started her heart, she... 
fell back into her body and said it was really really cold and really terrifying and then she described what she'd uh, undergone essentially and the doctors were all baffled because of the fact that there mm. was no brain activity, no brain waves, nothing, no blood. Dun, dun, dun. How fucked up is that? It's so fucked up in so many ways, and like I, I don't know. I want to think that there's you know some plausible explanation for this, like you know they're explaining the uh, being able to explain and uh, describe the tool that they used to cut open their skull. You know maybe. She saw it in a TV show, yeah. or you know, you know, your brain, like the the human brain, is a fucking amazing thing. It, you know, you might not think you know something or remember something because it doesn't lodge there. You know, uh, you don't lodge it, log it, like you know, you don't mean to, but yeah. it will store every bit of information you take in. Yeah, so true. you know, uh, obviously, brain surgery is you know kind of a big deal, and there is no, <laughs> there is you know, there's no reason why it couldn't have you know, triggered something or hit a part of the they hit a part of the brain or you know, something was triggered to make her remember this thing. And I mean it's completely plausible, I suppose, that she built this all up and um created this under anesthesia either before they stopped her heart or just after. Yeah, that is but, possible. Because a dream can be like you for like you could be asleep for fifty seconds, but you could dream something that feels like it's about twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, what is it? They say you know you um when if, when you sleep, say you sleep for eight hours, you have thousands and thousands of dreams. Oh yeah, you don't you know, remember you, a dream, dream unless no, you exactly. wake up in the middle of it. That's yeah. Like, you have dream and dreams can last. You know, dreams can be over like that, or they can last for what feels like days and months. Yeah. So you know, and they can all happen in the space of a second. I um. I had a dream really recently, right, where this woman was really emphatically speaking, and I woke up just as she finished her sentence, but what she said was, I have vowed to end the fear, and I believe my dreams hold the key, right? And I thought, that is really fucking profound. <laughs> and I googled it, and it is a direct quote from the Final Fantasy movie from 2001. <laughs> right? I've seen that movie once in the cinema yeah. when I was 10 yeah. years old. How do I know that quote? How yeah, did that exactly. come back? This was like a week ago I had this dream. It was bizarre yeah. and mind-blowing, but that is the power of the brain, essentially. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and things things like deja vu show that as well. Yeah. Like, you know, deja vu, that whole feeling of going into somewhere that you've never been before or, you know, seeing something you've never seen before yeah. and feeling that sense of familiarity. That is most likely, I mean, as far as I'm aware, I've seen the explanation that that is your brain finding something that is similar to it but obviously it doesn't have a solid image of what that is so say you're going into a building in a foreign country that you've never been to before and you recognize the building that's because you've been into a similar building somewhere else and your brain's putting two and two together and going this is this is similar to that other building you're in but obviously you can't it can't bring up the exact building or the exact place in the exact time yeah, so it gets confused you know, and trips yeah, exactly. over itself. Yeah, exactly. I love that she had such a profound experience and was mm. able to explain it, and it's this huge sort of thing. Um, I had surgery four months ago, yeah, and I woke up after and said, as soon as I woke up, I said to the doctor, <laughs> this is 100% true, <laughs> I said, you know Goofy, <laughs> what is he? Because... <laughs> If he's a dog, then he has a pet dog, because Pluto is Goofy's pet dog. Yeah. So what the hell is Goofy? And I said <laughs> that, and the doctor was like, 
oh, I don't know, what is Goofy? And all of the other nurses were there trying to figure it out as they wheeled me back to my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, like, she has this incredible experience yeah. where she meets a deceased relative and learns something about herself like forms yeah. a bond with every single fiber of existential dread <laughs> that she previously had wakes up fully comforted and warmed and everything yeah. and i want to know what goofy <laughs> is and that upsets me <laughs> knowing that uh the differences in those stories it's fu- that's fucked up no but, yeah what i don't understand is that like she her grandmother speaks to her in this kind of you know this kind of grandiose metaphor yeah you know and I just, I, I just struggle to believe that without having, you know, without her kind of making it up, I don't think that that grandiose. I think that the grandiose metaphor is too, almost like something out of literature. I thought that as soon as I, as like, soon as I heard it, the way she describes it is like, "You were a child. We sent you away." Yeah. Like she, she says it in a very just. It's poetic, emphatic. yeah, yeah. Like, and it's it's a little too poetic to be, you know, something that not that something that came about organically. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think in, if I had a near death experience, I would have a metaphor regarding milk involved. Personally, I mean, Pam Reynolds might be a different case. Yeah, but I don't think that they'd speak to me. You know, my deceased relatives would speak to me in metaphors because surely you're short on time. Yeah. In that kind of afterlife purgatory world. Well, she was under for ten hours. Oh, yeah, that's true. But what's, I think, just the most bizarre thing, like, beyond our cynicism towards whether or mm. not this, you know, it points to an afterlife or whatever, the fact that she actually did hallucinate, or, well, did essentially have this experience yeah. while there was no brainwave activity, because it's very likely that, yeah, like... I mean, if she witnessed the, it's very likely that if she did witness the uh, the drill going on mm. and things like that, those are things that sync up to dream. Like sometimes dreams and reality actually can coexist uh, in the same yeah. thing. I've had many dreams where, um, I I had this one dream one time that I was in, uh, I was in some city somewhere and there was a robbery going on and it was my job to press the alarm i think i was in a bank and i had to press the alarm mm. but as soon as i like smashed the glass my phone alarm went off <laughs> and i woke up and that's the yeah. reason i remember that but i think my brain knew it was nearly time to wake up so mm. it made that happen in the dream because i find that to be way too much of a coincidence that i smashed oh, yeah. the glass and then the alarm goes off so like that's an example of reality kind of intertwining with a dream yeah, I mean, there was something that I also just I just thought about saying it being a dream, and something that science really can't uh, prove per se. But there was, I think it was in a book. There was a thing about this guy. He had a he had made a scale that was incredibly uh, set of scales that was you know size of his bed essentially, and he was on his deathbed and he was dying, and then as he died the scale showed um like tiny like not even milligrams less than milligrams the tiniest of tiniest of grams you know the tiniest weight possible and that represented his soul leaving his body oh i've heard this i think yeah. it's i think it's 7 I grams ha- the body weighs yeah. 7 grams less mm. than it does when you're alive yeah um, that, I, and that that might just be air escaping from your lungs or something like that i don't know but this was something like um you know this guy i think 
I have the feeling it was in a Dan Brown book. That sounds like something he'd write. Yeah, really um, yeah. Um, but yeah, and saying you know, so, so propose you know, say we that you know everyone does have a soul, um, apart from us two, obviously, because Ginger. Um, so say, but say you know, say everybody does have a soul, and you know, while the brain activity might have stopped, that doesn't mean her soul had left her body. And what kind of, you know, memories, um, experiences, you know, maybe that was coming... I know this sounds ridiculous, yeah. but... Well, like... You know, you get the idea, you know, that could have been, uh, you know, just because there was no brain activity doesn't mean her soul wasn't still active. Yeah. Well, I kind of, like, tread with, like, trepidation when it comes yeah. to people's perception of things like that, because who are you to fucking belittle someone else's belief? No, yeah. Like, you yeah, don't exactly. know either, so it's really egotistical no. to imply that you do. But, um, my cousin was telling me once about, um, I had this, like, phase where I was really interested in a drug called diamethyltryptamine, which is, it's, it's shortened name is DMT. there's a documentary about it called the spirit molecule and there's all of these just fascinating kind of there's just a a large like mythology surrounding it particularly Mm. in stoner culture yeah you can make it that what you will but um (laughs) there's like this supposed theory that there's a certain amount of dmt you can take where i i think it's it's maybe a modified brand of dmt or something but you can see everything existing as pure energy Oof. And there's a, there's a pretty much energy is energy just exists. It's not like a renewable thing. In like everything is energy and everything has mm. energy. And when you die, that energy that you have just goes somewhere else. Yeah. So like a lot of people think that that's what the soul is. Um, like it's just your energy. It just goes and carries on somewhere else. Like that's why I think it's a huge thing for people who believe in reincarnation. That that is essentially one form, at yeah. least metaphorically, of reincarnation. Is that your energy is going to enter someone else because yeah. it just exists in the world. Like mm. um, I find that to be a weird. Th- I don't really know a lot about that though because I was not good at science, <laughs> so I don't really know. I can only speak in like metaphors and yeah <laughs> poetic philosophical things but not really mathematical or scientific things so i don't know how ridiculous that sounds yeah, yeah it's funny you say about the dmt seeing everything as energy because um this happened a few years ago now we um it was one of my friends he explained this uh moment he had while he was uh intoxicated mm-hmm. and he was lying he was he was sat in his in his uh, bedroom with a couple of his friends and it was dark and they were listening to um he described it as um i can't i can't quite remember what he described it as but it was quite um ethereal and he said that he just looked down and his whole body was outlined like all of his limbs and his like his hands and his fingers were outlined in different colors jesus like and then they rose up and danced in front of him oh my god so he experienced that. That's fucked up. Um, he said it was really it, like he wasn't scared or anything. It was really enjoyable to watch, yeah. to watch his you know the, this out. It was this outline of him, but it was like you know the the hue kind of thing. All of the colours merged into one another, and the it was kind of like a rainbow around him, and they danced for him. Kind of like um, 
in the Simpsons when they're in the flotation tanks. Yeah. And Lisa, and I think she sees the colors uh, yeah. in front of her. I yeah. That's the first thing she sees. Yeah, something like that. That's crazy. Was he yeah. on drugs? Yes. Uh, that explains. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's interesting though. Yeah, I, you I kind of have... like stories like that. Yeah. Um, you can definitely have some interesting uh, experiences. Yeah. And what we're saying here, kids, is just take a bunch <laughs> of heroin. Like, you don't have to. <laughs> just all of it. Is, all of it at once. Yeah, just take all of the heroin. Like, the, what's the worst that What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I mean, come on, really? Yeah, live a little, you guys. Um, <laughs> I guess that's the thing that science can't explain, though, is the Pam Reynolds case. Because yeah. we don't know without... Well, she's dead now, so we probably never will know. Mm. Um, she died like in 2010, I think. Uh, but um, seeing as science can't explain that, we'll move on to another thing that science can't oh, yeah. explain, uh, which is a, a town in Kazakhstan by the name of Kalachi, which, like, I don't really know. Um, I, I hadn't heard of this until this morning, but I've been reading about it, and it is very, very, very interesting. Mm. Um, the people in the town of Kalachi are sort of the victim to this epidemic that causes them to experience fatigue, memory loss, hallucinations, and long bouts of unexpected narcolepsy. Um, they, it, It's really strange because there's a town quite near Kalachi that has a huge mine, um, which is uh, uranium, I think. It's a uranium Ooh. mine. And it's really, really close to Kalachi, so the leading theory is that the people are under the effects of radiation poisoning. Mm. But there's another town that's even closer to the uranium mine than Kalachi is, and nobody there has a single problem. Um, yeah. They also have done blood tests on all of these victims, and the blood has turned out to be completely fine. So it doesn't seem like it can be radiation poisoning. It's just that maybe it's some of the symptoms of radiation poisoning, so it would make sense. But they just tend to like they can stay awake for days or they can just fall asleep randomly or they can forget everything that happens or hallucinate things that happen and that's just so fucked up that an Crazy. entire town has fallen to this seemingly sort of hysteria i guess is what it would mm. be because there's no scientific explanation so there's i mean i read this story one time about i think it was in japan or china um but these guys were like they had sex with prostitutes just people mm. in general having sex with prostitutes yeah. um and even though they used protection and things like that the shame of doing it like they were made to feel so ashamed because they come from a culture where infidelity is the utmost shameful thing um mm. and so their bodies started to exhibit symptoms of aids like they had actual wow. symptoms of AIDS. They were actually dying despite being perfectly healthy. Jesus. Because of the shame of having sex with a prostitute yeah. and cheating on their wives. And I think this could be a similar thing where maybe there's some sort of other thing at play that mm. you know, maybe people think they have uranium related radiation poisoning and that's why they're acting that way. Yeah. Because people just tend to act the same as each other in, in really weird ways like that, you know? Um, yeah. But, I mean, you know, w when, we're, when we're saying small, this is a town of 600 people. Yeah. There, you know, one of the possibilities is that, you know, there it's it could be genetic. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, that, you know a, a town of 600, a small town in Kazakhstan, you know, 
it could always be genetic, and obviously, you know, the human just gene, the human human genes are endlessly complex. Yeah. Um, you know, and who's to say that they've been able to get the kind of uh, you know, that kind of you know, testing for radiation poisoning is easy enough. Unraveling the human genetics just to find a sleeping kind of you know illness is a lot more difficult. Yeah, it is. Were you able you know, to find how many people have come down with these symptoms? It was one in four. Yeah, that's a yeah, and that's ridiculous. Number. Yeah, like I don't know if it's possible that they would all share genes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because you know, it's it's not likely that everybody within that village only breeds with people within. No, that yeah. Village. I mean, <laughs> the one in four. What is that out of six hundred? That's like uh, one hundred and seventy-five or so. I think. Some of that, yeah. I really hope that that's let's, right. let's, let's just do the math. Let's do the actual math. It's, 150. It's 100, it's 150. 150. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, because two of that is 300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, God. So, <laughs> but, yeah, so 150 out of 600 mm. have these symptoms. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Like, that, that kind of point, that kind of says to me that it must be hysteria. It must be a, yeah. just a, a purely unconscious sort of thing that, you know, yeah. their body has just decided to do for whatever reason. Like maybe they, maybe they. I don't know. Like I, I went for, uh, I went for dinner with someone recently, and they got a burger that was like luminous pink. Oh wow! And like, it's actually per- usually it's okay to eat beef that's like that yeah, if yeah. you know for a fact that it has been stored correctly and things like that. But like, she felt sick after. Oh, Even really? though she was perfectly fine, like the body can just do that. You yeah, know? yeah. So like maybe it's a reaction to something like that. I don't really know, but it's very, very, very bizarre. Mm. Like they. That is, that is weird. Just if you lived in a in a town like that where people just regularly just fall asleep, fall asleep for out. days, hours, you know. Yeah, they're. Um, yeah. They were talking. They, I think about six months ago, there was strong talk of everybody just being relocated because they, oh, wow. I think they really do believe that it's some kind of radiation-related thing. Yeah. But what's interesting is that even if it was a mass hysteria thing and it was all in their heads, if they relocated, it would probably go away. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's crazy how you can kind of hack your mind like that to just mm. behave in a certain way. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I find stuff like that can really help you out sometimes. Like. No. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Some sometimes like feelings of anxiety can be really close to feelings of like pure elation and stuff. So yeah. if you're anxious about something, you can turn it into excitement if you just try to. I don't know. It's a thing I've been working on. I'll, I'll, think, I'll, thinking differently is a you know the, the the ability to think differently for certain things is it's a funny thing. Like it can really change. Just and like you know, just a lot of people that uh you know say they've got a clinical depression. The going out for you know a walk, taking the dog for a walk or something like that, can genuinely make just just them feel better. Yeah. Like straight away, they don't need medicating or anything like that. They just need to go outside sometimes. I saw this thing that um, there was this bridge uh, somewhere that was a popular suicide spot, mm. and the bridge was red, so they painted it blue, and yeah. that led to like an instant drop in the number of suicides there and they like I, I can't remember where I even heard that I, I, yeah. I listened to a podcast about a year ago about colours and how colours actually affect you because mm. blue is a huge uh, 
blue I think drains melatonin and that's okay. why staring at computer screens uh, makes it difficult to sleep because there's tends to be a lot of blue in like your yeah, yeah. computer screen. That's like my backgrounds are different colors because of that, and I, I kind of avoid the color blue for that reason. Um, but yeah, I don't know what draining melatonin has to do with keeping you alive. Yeah. I, I I don't really know what the science behind that is, but it's a thing that legitimately worked. Like, and there's numbers there to back it up and everything. So that, oh, like wow. that's crazy. But just yeah, another example mad. of how the the mind works i guess yeah and how there's so many ways that we that's why it's such a popular tactic uh, for filmmakers to say you can only access six percent of your brain imagine what you could do with four yeah. percent because there's so much of it that we actually don't understand even though the six oh no yeah theory is bullshit oh no yeah completely yeah it's kind of mm, it's close enough to be like no yeah well, I think that whole that whole six percent. I mean, you know, I've had ten, twelve, fifteen, mm. however many percent you want. But you know, I think that whole that whole you know thing stems again from what I was you know talking about earlier about you know your brain logging it away and not you know you're not consciously logging it away, but it being there yeah. always. You know, and and you know, say you can only access ten percent of your brain, and that's your direct memories. If you could access all of them, obviously you'd be a lot better but yeah. it brings you uh, but if you were to remember all of them all at once all the time you'd be in a lot of trouble you'd be insane yes no like yeah the, you'd just go clinically insane i think the the brain can only actually intake something like i think it's 11,000 images per day mm-hmm. and supposedly in america um you're exposed to something like 25,000 images of adverts per day so it's crazy how your brain is essentially getting overloaded with advertising and you think advertising doesn't work but it fucking does um but yeah like the uh amount of images you can intake in one day as well uh relates to this um thing that i heard someone explaining about six months ago that made a lot of sense is that when you walk into a room and you scan it when you leave that room you have an idea of what it is in your head but Mm. it's not a photograph of the room no. You actually leave out so many things that you don't know are there because if you were to take them all in, you would go insane with that information. Mm. Yeah. And something you see in movies a lot is like a character has a memory of an event, usually a traumatic event, and they they remember being in a certain place at a certain time and they get flashbacks of this memory and because they get flashbacks they continue to analyze the memory and analyze mm. it and they find new information that they didn't know before. That's not a thing that can happen. No, yeah. Your memory the information is just isn't there. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, not, it's like not like a, you can zoom in. Yeah. And enhance. Yeah. It's not a YouTube video saved to your favorite. <laughs> you can scan back over. Like it's and and generally, the more you remember something, mm. the more hazy that memory becomes. Yeah. So it's it's you know you know the bra- the brain is a a funny thing, and so your eyes. I mean, I heard someone I've I've tried it a few times. I think it genuinely does work, and I don't know if that's just placebo of me being more careful but when if you're looking for something in your room or if you're looking for something just anywhere because we read you know um english left to right you know you scan the page left to right so that's how your eyes are used to looking if when you're looking for something you'll instinctively look from left to right when looking for something all right you won't do it consciously but instinctively you'll look from left to right you know you'll kind of scan the room starting at the left to the right so if you scan the room from right to left your eyes are picking out not necessarily more, but you're having to almost concentrate slightly more if you're doing this consciously. 
concentrate more on what you're looking at and what you're picking out. And I found, you know, it does work. I do find things quicker, I think, or I find things that I could, like, if I scan the room and I go, okay, hang on, no, think from, look from right to left, and then I'll find it. That's amazing. And I don't know if that's placebo. I don't know if that's, you know, just me looking more carefully because I'm looking from right to left. Yeah, it could be any of those. But it works. Yeah, like, it works. So it works. It. Like, seriously, try it I next will time. Try it. I, I, that's something I'm, I'm saying that to everybody as well because, I, you know, I'm, I'm convinced it works. Yeah. And everyone always kind of is kind of like, what? <laughs> just thinks it's ridiculous, but. I hate when you say something like that to a person and they completely rubbish it as if. Yeah. Like, as if you're literally explaining what you do to them or something. I know, yeah. It's like, you don't know me, you don't know my life. Yeah, like, fuck <laughs> off, pal. <laughs> you don't know your brain. Your, your brain is <laughs> fucked up. I, I actually heard an amazing one recently. Um, that if you have a song stuck in your head, mm. just kind of sing the entire song to yourself. Or at least skip to the very end of the song and and sing just the last bit of the song to yourself and make it end in your head. And then you're you're not gonna think about it huh. as much because I don't know how like you you definitely know what I'm about to explain. But you listen mm. to an album when one track on that album ends, you know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know that when track two on Lord's album ends, it means that Royals <laughs> is coming next. Like but you know in your head. And if you were to hear that out of context, that track number two, I I can't remember what it's called, Looks or something. Yeah. Like that, when that ends. It would be so weird if you didn't hear the next line being "I've never seen mm. a diamond" and like, yeah, because that's the way your brain works. So if you do cut to the end of the song, you're kind of making space in your brain to move on to something else. Oh. so that's pretty cool. I tend to not really get songs stuck in my head at all, though. So mm. I, I don't know. It used to happen to me all the time and used to really annoy me, but now it's fine. It doesn't really happen anymore. Um, and that all ties back to this town in Kazakhstan. <laughs> We have gone off the rails slightly. It's been a long time. It's been a long it has time. been a while. Um, do you have a, a story for us next, or will I move into another one of mine? Feel free to move into another one of yours. I've only got one, and it's very kind of vague. Not vague, but... We'll go for yours after this one. Yeah, all right. So this one is one of my favourite stories of all time, probably. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's really short, and it's really simple, and it's really terrifying. So <laughs> this man in Tokyo lived alone um lived by himself i don't know how old he actually was but by all accounts he seems like a nice man um and he felt as though he was the victim of this series of non-stop burglaries or the ultimate trolling of all time because his food kept on going missing from his fridge um and just things like that would happen like little things here and there would be misplaced um, but like the food would go missing and there'd be no empty wrappers for the food everywhere and this happened over the course of a year so like I'd imagine it comprises bouts of just perceived insanity and like constant doubt about your, you know, stability. Like if you're there thinking to yourself, like, I fucking bought Cheetos yesterday and now they aren't here, but I didn't eat them. Or did I eat them? What happened? What did I do yesterday? Things like that. That would fuck you up, like for an entire year. So eventually mm. one day he came up with a, a plan to uh, to counteract this 
um, and to finally just put his head at ease. And he installed security cameras all over his house, which linked up to his phone because it was Japan, and that's just a thing they can do yep. really easily. <laughs> um, but uh, after he observed the footage, he saw a skinny, frail-looking, dark-haired woman wandering around his house, <coughs> taking things, and then disappearing into a closet. And it turns out that she was a 58-year-old homeless woman who had been living in his house for an entire year without his knowledge and just living <laughs> off of his table scraps and occasionally taking things from his fridge. And she was found at the top of a closet that had like uh, like bed linen and sheets and stuff in it. And she was in a tiny compartment where she was just she just had enough room to lie down. And she got uh, she got charged with trespassing. Um, <laughs> It's weird. The police said that she looked neat and tidy, um, like she she made use of the shower and the toilet regularly and things like that. But uh, that's that's fucking terrifying. Even though nothing came of it, she lived in his house no. for a year. No, no, the, I, it's ridiculous. Like, how can is there a cupboard in your house that you don't look in for over a year? Like, there literally is not. Did he did he not change his bed linen at no point during that year? See, like, I, he might have. <laughs> like bought more bed linen because i have like old bed sheets at Mm. one section of my room and then the new stuff that i because like you kind of don't ever go back to the old stuff when you buy new stuff do you so it was probably that type of deal where it's just storage essentially yeah oh it's just it's just insane you know you'd think that within a year she'd make some sort of you know she'd sneeze and he'd kind of go yeah i think she'd fuck up like in some way yeah but that's, you know, it's kind of, it's impressive. Yeah, it actually is. To say the least, you know, that she managed to go into hiding, essentially, for a year. And it really begs the question of, you know, like, say someone is trying to escape from the police and is on the run. What, you know, could he, could he or she just disappear for a year and live in a cupboard? Yeah. You know? <laughs> that is like, so strange. That's kind I mean, of, like, one of the sadder elements of this story is the fact that a homeless woman lived in someone's house for a year and nobody seemed to question, you know, like, where she was. Cause it doesn't yeah, there was, say there, was she... there was no one to notice that she was gone. Yeah, like, there's no yeah. point in this story, does it say, she was reported missing, like, mm. or it doesn't give any backstory to her because she was essentially just a homeless person that was yeah. lost in the homeless grid and nobody cares and that's actually really sad so Mm. it's kind of like i kind of feel like while you said it was impressive it's also kind of nice that she had a home for yeah like she didn't hurt anybody you know like she she took things that weren't hers and that's not nice because it probably made this guy go a little bit insane but like Mm. i don't know it's it's really sad that she had nowhere else to go it's really sad that that's what her life came to i guess like Mm. because what do you even do in someone's house for a year no yeah there's not a whole lot you could do without disturbing things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you couldn't really go on a computer because it's probably password protected. And even if you yeah. did, it's hard to constantly cover your tracks when you're using someone else's computer mm. and things like that. You know, it's, I don't know, it's it's kind of a sad story in a way. No, yeah. But it's, it's also just... creepy and terrifying. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine finding a 58-year-old woman living in a cupboard in my house. When he's going uh, over the CCTV footage in my head, it's that grainy black and white. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. like, and she's shuffling about like something from the grudge. Yep, and she has yep. huge hair that's yep. untamed. Yep, unkempt and covers her face so you can't actually see her face. Yep. 
She's wearing a long white kind of... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's how it is. Uh, There's no way that that's not terrifying to look at that happening no, yeah. in your house. In, real- in reality, she might have just been wearing like t-shirt and shorts and had you know hair tied back and... And he's looking at full colour HD footage. No, yeah, exactly, yeah, on, his, on his phone. Yeah. Like going, hang on, who's this? Yeah. With sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you never know. But that doesn't uh, take away from the fact that it is a fucking. No, yeah, that doesn't. No, yeah, that doesn't. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I I was I was trying to think of a segue, but there's no way to segue into my my one, is there? Really? That's what I don't even know what I'll call this episode. <laughs> I'm thinking oh, yeah. strange tales of the unknown or some shit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe. Yeah. But I I have long been. Fascinated, and to be honest, everybody should be fascinated with Jack the Ripper. Oh hell yeah! Um, because possibly the well, I mean, the fact that like, let's start with the fact that the number of victims is actually up in the air for question. Yep. I mean, everyone knows about the five prostitutes, yeah, but obviously without having not being caught, it could be any number, you know, across the country, uh, throughout London. It could be any number above five. Yeah. He was never even cited, like, really, you know, perpetrating his crimes or anything like that. And he just basically got off scot-free doing some of the most brutal murders possible. And trolling the police. Oh, yeah. At the same time. Like, it's really fucked up that... uh... Like, you know, like, it was in the 19th century. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you could just get away with a lot of shit back then. No, like, yeah. It, it was London. And, like, yeah, okay, it, it was the 1800s. It was the late 1800s, nearly yeah. the 1900s. But, like, it's not easy to evade the police. Like, the London Metropolitan Police were seriously on point. With yeah, their... out, out in force to try and... yeah figure out who it was rumor has it they even recruited sherlock holmes who is totally a real person now but oh yeah it, it is though like they, they were a, a serious police force and just because it's the 1800s just doesn't mean that you can go around murdering people and getting away with it like i think that's yeah. kind of a perception that a lot of people have that takes away from the sort of um the scarier parts of the jack the ripper story because it's actually not like that at all like he did have like he had to be seriously malicious and yeah. even more terrifying than you can imagine in order to get away with what he did do because he sent so many letters to the police as well. Oh yeah. I think what was it was I think he sent four letters in total. And uh one of them contained uh was it a a, a fried liver or something like that from one of the victims? Oh, that rings a bell actually. Yeah, well I think I think it was I have a feeling it was a liver, but I'm not 100%. Um oh no, um in one of the letters um, he described how he fried and ate um, half of the missing kidney that was from one of the victims. Oh, um, so weird. Yeah. Not yeah, that, it's that really... Not like, I can no, understand yeah, yeah. the killing the prostitutes thing. <laughs> no, yeah. But, but eating their liver, uh, what the fuck? Like, it's... It's, yeah, they, and he sent the... He sent the, um, he sent the half that he didn't eat to the police. Oh, right. And nice. then ate the other half. 
and nobody knows who this guy is at all. No, nobody I mean, knows. you know, there's there's hundreds upon hundreds of theories for who it is, and each of them comes to the stumbling point of there being absolutely no proof whatsoever. Yeah, like there's like, even been theories that it, that he was like a member of the royal family. Oh or yeah, he was the chief of police and stuff. Yeah, like that. and the reason that it's okay to actually theorize those things is because nobody has any fucking idea. <laughs> Who he was. There was a book that came out like last year claiming mm. that he was a Polish guy, which surprise, yeah. surprise, the Daily Mail ran with. No, yeah, um, naturally. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, the, you know, there was a lot of a uh, thing that it was an Irish immigrant as well. Yeah, well, there was Poss- a lot of Irish immigrants. Yeah, 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 in, in, yeah. In especially around that time. Yeah. And you know, butcher, surgeon, and it's like you know, the list goes on for who it could have been. Yeah. And I mean, the the scariest part is well, I say the scariest part, the fact that. There was like a smog in London at that time, and there's no way to describe it based on things that you've seen in recent times. Like, because it was like a thick, dense black fog, and he could, you could, you know, you'd be within six feet, ten feet of someone and not see them properly. So he could literally walk up, slash someone's throat. Or, you know, slash a woman's throat, mutilate her in the street. And people could walk past on the other side of the street and not know. He did. Um, did he kill all of them in alleyways and streets? Yeah. They were, in, they were in, like, the, the quote-unquote slums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's so fucked up. Yeah, but there was one where apparently the, the police... Fa- I can't remember what her name was. I'm sure there was one. The police found her and the blood was still draining out of her. Oh shit! Uh, they were missed him by mi- li- less than minutes. Oh my god! Something ridiculous like that, but and there was no sign of him. It's the greatest murder mystery ever. Well, like for one the of them, yeah. World, yeah. Like, because it's it's just so in, entrenched in so much like yeah. folklore and and mythology as well. Like it's it's legendary serial killer mm. kind of deal. Like it's so fucking. I don't know. I actually like whenever I picture it. Um, whenever I picture anything about Jack the Ripper, it's always in black and white because it's nah, yeah. 1900. So I just think, well, they didn't have color back then. It was, it was, it was in black and white anyway, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because of the smog and things like that. But I always picture a guy with a top hat and a long kind of mm. trench coat, um, and he might have like any number of knives under there. And oh yeah. He just makes people disappear, and well, oh yeah, makes people very bloody and. Ugh, yeah, I mean. <sighs> It's it's ridiculous, and you, you know you were saying about uh, about it being one of the greatest unsolved murders, like or serial uh, series of murders. Yeah. But then I like you know in the lead up to this this episode, I was reading a, you know I was looking about JFK as well, and that one is just as confusing. You know with the amount of cameras, you know that they've they've got what six or seven angles, yeah, four, maybe maybe four or five, they've got four or five angles of video footage. And there's just no good, you know, there's no good explanation or reason. Have you ever watched the Zapruder footage of the JFK yeah. assassination? That's, yeah. That's, I don't know why I ever watched it. Like, you're literally watching a man getting shot no, in yeah. the head. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it's crazy that, I don't know, that whole situation is, is fucked up as well. Like, imagine, imagine seeing the president of the oh, no. United States being assassinated in front of you. I don't know, and such a high-profile figure, and there was like, it's just that's why it was a that's why it was an inside job. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> well, JFK can't melt steel beams, so... Uh... Only with his eyes. Yeah, true. Only with the heart. <laughs> his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to... Like, the thing is, though, you... Uh, what's the guy who actually killed JFK? Is it Lee Harvey Oswald? Mm. If you like, there are so many people that you say that to, and they're like, "Nope, he didn't do it." And you're yep. like, "But why?" And it's well, oh, because that because, Oliver Stone movie. Because, because the angles. Yeah. But because the, angles. The um, the Oliver Stone movie about JFK, um, is the whole reason there's a conspiracy theory. Well, no, sorry, it's like the leading driving thing behind the conspiracy theories, um, and it all hinges on the fact that JFK was sitting diagonally in front yeah. of somebody so he couldn't have been shot because the other guy but he couldn't have been shot from that angle mm. because the bullet would have ricocheted and it's an impossible shot because the yeah. other guy would have been killed because he was in front but they weren't sitting diagonally in real no, life they weren't at all no so that entire movie right there like put it in the garbage can because that mm. point does not count it's not no. in a, like so therefore, like you can fuck off. Like I don't know. I just I don't I don't really believe in any conspiracy theory or whatever. But like <laughs> it's it's very 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 like ninety nine point five percent probable that Lee Harvey Oswald did it. So yeah. I don't know why we have to go and find someone else who did it as well. I don't know what the fascination with finding other things, like finding other reasons or other alternative versions of things that happened. I don't really get the fascination with that as such. Like, that's strange to me. I don't know. Mm. I don't know what yeah. drives that and stuff. Mm. Uh, JFK. Mm. Yeah, the worst thing about the whole JFK video wasn't wasn't quite the... Uh, well, I mean, watching him get shot is pretty, is pretty bad, but watching... You know, his wife kind of leaned back and almost pick up the pieces. Yeah, it's really... Ah, just... Ugh. I know. Literally picking up pieces of his skull and brain. Lovely. I don't know why I laughed. <laughs> um, speaking of gruesome deaths... Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, this story is one that I read about three months ago, and have just been waiting to talk about it on the Midnight Hour ever since because it's incredible and it should serve as the most poignant scene in the greatest anti-war movie of all time. Like, this scene is so good. Uh, so in the 1970s, during the Korean War, the US Army was obviously involved um, operating on South Korea's side to keep them and the North from, like, erasing each other, essentially. Mm. There was a huge fear that the North had... would, would basically, like, destroy the South and, and take them over and things like that. Um, so the border... Most people will already know this, but the border between the North and South is referred to as the demilitarized zone, which I don't really understand. It seems heavily militarized. I think that might be an ironic name of some sort. But, um... I actually saw a, an image quite recently of uh, South Korean troops going to open the door to North Korea. For anyone who doesn't know, there's literally a building that uh, one half is in the South, one half is in the North, and they have meetings at a table which is in the middle of the room, and the North people sit on the... Like, it's crazy um, mm. how kind of well this is all kept together. But as the guys from the South were opening the door to the North, they hold hands and hold on to a door so that they don't get dragged into the north and i think this story is part of the reason why but um 
the uh, the demilitarized zone is sort of uh, the uh, U.S. and South Korean troops, which were called the uh, Joint Smoking for Joint Security Forces, I think it was, um, and they had checkpoints sort of set up everywhere in the demilitarized zone but they had outposts that overlooked these checkpoints so that they could put snipers or you know a guy with binoculars on top but one of the checkpoints was obscured by a massive tree which they decided they were going to go and trim so the uh, south korean captain uh his last name is kim i don't know what his first name is but he's captain kim and american lieutenant mark barrett um side note why do some people call lieutenant left hand that's uh I have no idea. Probably the most annoying thing that people do is say lieutenant yeah. when there is no F in that. And don't even get me started no. on the word colonel and the <laughs> complete lack of L in that fucking pronunciation. Um, but Lieutenant Mark Barrett, uh, Captain Kim, and there was another guy by the name of um, oh, Captain uh, Boniface. Boniface? Boniface? Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. But they, the bridge that they had to cross in order to trim this tree down was on the North's territory, but only just. But the bridge is called the Bridge of No Return. So, like, this is why this is such a great scene, is because it already has, like, foreboding, and you don't even... It, like, it's an actual thing that happened. Um, Captain Kim and Mark Barrett didn't bring sidearms with them because they had... I don't know if there was restrictions on what they were allowed to have within the demilitarized zone. I think that's actually why it's called the demilitarized zone, is because they have some sort of ongoing thing where they're only allowed a certain amount of weapons, because I did read that they were only allowed to have five armed officers at a time. Um, but they brought 11 American and South Korean soldiers with them. Um, hmm. They didn't have sidearms, but they had axes there to cut down the tree branches and things like that. But uh, after they started, they were almost immediately surrounded by 15 North Korean soldiers, which were led by a guy called Pak Chul, whose nickname was Lieutenant Bulldog, because apparently he had a reputation within the area for being a complete cunt. But he told them to stop cutting down the tree, because Kim Il-sung, who is Kim Jong-il's dad, um, and the original, uh, he is the eternal president of North Korea, I think. He's the mm. eternal leader. He's referred to as dear leader, I think. Um, but he is still in power there, despite dying in the early 90s. Um, but uh, Lieutenant Bulldog told the American soldiers that Kim Il-sung had personally planted that tree. That he was going to let it nourish under his watch. Um, and Captain uh, Boniface of the Joint Security Forces uh, turned his back to lieutenant bulldog and just kept on cutting down the tree and then lieutenant bulldog in an act of immense movie villainy oh. carefully removed his watch wrapped it up in a handkerchief and put it in his pocket and shouted kill the bastards and then with the axes that were dropped by the tree trimmers during the altercation the north koreans attacked all of the troops um the entire fight lasted about 30 seconds. Most of the American and South Korean soldiers managed to get away across the Bridge of No Return, uh, just wounded. Mm, but the North just. Koreans kept on taking turns, bludgeoning Captain Boniface to death. Um, they eventually drove back to North Korea with his body in their truck, and Lieutenant Barrett's body was found uh, later on that day, and he died in hospital. But it was like... What makes this so brutal is that they killed him with objects and axes and 
cut him to pieces and things like that. Um, they were taking turns doing it because it was such an effort to actually hold the axes, but he was supposedly at the bottom of this hill, and after they got over the bridge at no return, the joint security forces observed the North Korean soldiers just taking turns running down the hill and then coming back, and the axe being more bloody each time. Fucking hell. Like, they just hacked the guy to death. And that is referred to as the axe murder incident. So that's just a thing. like you always think about war as just being a bunch of people on a battlefield shooting guns at each other mm. or people in trenches or whatever else. You don't really think that someone's going to get fucking like hacked to death in no. some serious slasher no, yeah. way like it's so fucked up and so grim and just so dark that I don't know. I, I read that story and just thought that that should be in a movie and I can't believe that it isn't. No, no, that's, it's just brutal is the word. Like uh, barbaric, probably a probably a better one. But I mean, it's ridiculous. I just taking turns to hack this man apart. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, something not right no. with anybody involved there. They went back to North Korea and obviously they spun the story as the oh, yeah. um, American soldiers like were the of uh, the oppressors and the mm. really bad guys what was it what was it they referred to them in the official statement as the uh, american imperialist yeah. aggressors yeah i saw that yeah. um i think kim jong il actually was not in power as such then but he was somebody back then and i think he held a press conference where he was like yeah those americans gotta go this is this is what they did to to obviously turn the public in favor mm. of north korea which is probably not a hard thing to do over there but yeah um, probably know. not difficult you always hear stories coming out of north korea and i'm so at the point now where i just think after all of these stories get printed like the one about um kim jong-un killing his uncle by feeding him to a pack of lions and things like yeah. that and then they get retracted a few weeks later and you just like they are just fucking with us now like I think there are a lot of actually informed North Koreans who mm. understand that they just have to live in this oppression because there's yeah. no way out of it and they'll be sent to camps if they don't so I, I don't even know if if they are as sort of controlled as people would like to think or if they're just doing it because they have to essentially or they will be killed so it's mm, I don't know I mean it's you know it's, it's hard to say I mean every, all of the pictures that you know you see these people that have gone to North Korea and taken pictures off the beaten track where you know they're not meant to have done or where they've been reprimanded for taking them yeah and it's it's just it does just look like an absolutely dire place and you know we've we've spoken about i think we've spoken about before you know the drawings of people that have escaped the labor camps oh yeah those those are just horrific i um i I read this story i think i've actually i think i told it to you i think i may have even Mm. told it on the podcast but this guy this little kid got given a head of lettuce by a a prison guard in one of Mm. the gulags and he had to go he he was told to give a leaf of lettuce to every healthy looking woman he saw so he did and then within a few hours they were vomiting up their guts and dead 
So, like, you don't even know what kind of experimentations they're doing and stuff. Uh, they have gulags built within into their mountains where they're uh, constantly loading in, like, heavy artillery and trucks and stuff. And you know that that's where they test their fucking military stuff, too. Yeah. Um, and stuff like uh, chemical warfare tools and things of that nature. Yeah, it's not... It's not right. I mean, you know, because you know, there's a multitude of things that are just completely wrong. You know, I read the thing the other day saying that they're facing their worst ever famine, and saying that it's their worst ever is, you know, it's no small thing. Seeing as they've, you know, they had a they had a famine, you know, I say fairly recently within the last what was it, ten years, that wiped out a third of their population or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and they had a currency conversion. Uh, they had a year where they converted their currency and it was mm. like the most disastrous currency conversion of all yeah. time. Like their new currency had just completely failed. Um, and like that left so many people, like the economy, because people do actually have jobs there and people do holiday mm. there, like within North Korea and things like that. There are the upper echelons of society who are accepting of their oppressors and get to sort of live a relatively normal life within that place mm. but even those people got shafted by the uh, complete downturn in the economy I guess but it must be such a hard economy to maintain and like they it's obviously yeah. it's a completely closed off economy it's 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 weird I mean I think they do some trade with um, I want to say that I think they do some trade with China oh I think they do yeah but it's not. Um, but it's you know it's, it's uh, nothing in the grand scheme of things. No, I don't think it's like an official trade avenue mm. like it would be like between say Ireland and the UK. I don't think it's like that. I think it's more that they do favors for each other. Yeah. I know that. Um, yeah, yeah. They import a lot from America, um, or more specifically, like the leaders do. They. Uh, mm. I know that when Kim Jong Il was in power, like he was notorious for importing like crates and crates of whiskey and. <laughs> American movies and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have... he? Didn't he claim to have the largest um, film, the largest DVD collection, or something like that in the world? Yeah. At one point, yeah. you know, because he just literally had every DVD. I don't know how. Tr- again, you know, much like his uh, playing a golf course of eighteen holes in one is true, but yeah, you know, it's interesting because Kim Jong Il was a massive movie fan, and he did mm. just drink whiskey and watch movies but Hitler was also a massive movie fan mm. Hitler used to watch movies like every single night Hitler used to stay up to like 3am watching movies and just writing in his journal that he watched the movie and what he thought of it like yeah. he documented every single movie that he watched which is which is really interesting I find um, mm. a lot of people uh, know as well that Hitler was a massive Charlie Chaplin fan um, and that's where a lot of people think that that's where he actually got his moustache from. He modeled himself on Charlie Chaplin, which isn't really going to be too much of a surprise, like because Charlie Chaplin was one of the biggest celebrities at that time. But um, Hitler actually watched The Great Dictator twice, <laughs> and no one knows what he thought of it, but they no. know that he watched it, which is kind of interesting because that's a movie, like written, directed, produced and paid for by his favourite actor in the world and it is all about pissing all over everything Hitler had to do. I'd love to know what he actually thought of it. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting to talk to him and see what he uh, I don't know, just see what he has to say about some movies and stuff like that. Yeah. 
can you imagine sitting down around the table with you know Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, just going so Kim Jong Il. <laughs> so guys, uh, guys I've, sh- I've, I've just movie. yeah, I've just shown you all Fast and Furious Seven thoughts. Come on. <laughs> I know you didn't. I did. I know I didn't show you the first six, but um, Hitler would say. I built those roads that they drove on and things yeah. like that. Um, I don't really, yeah, that would be fucked up. That, we, that should be a whole nother podcast where we get everyone to play the part of a <laughs> dictator and they have to tell us what they think of certain movies. And going to uh, going to hiatus for uh, a few months just to uh, just to really get into character, yeah. learn, camp about them, become Go. them. Go into hiatus and infiltrate the higher realms of political parties in certain countries and become a dictator for about six months and then come back just to play the part of someone in an hour-long episode of a podcast on YouTube. <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. Um, I got one more story Yeah. that is referred to as the Rosenheim Poltergeist. And this is... Rosenheim is a place in Bavaria... And in the late 1960s, um, I so the guy who I actually thought that it was a woman who uh, who came who was on the receiving end of all of this stuff. Oh, mm. okay, yeah. So the story is that this guy Hans Bender, who was a parapsychologist, mm. um, he I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. Paranormal psychologist. He is a psychologist for ghosts. Oh, seriously, that's what it is? I don't know, I'm just guessing by the whole parapsychologist. Para I thought uh, it was like, like, you know the way like paratrooper is, is a thing? I uh, thought it was like some military thing. Um, pseudoscience concerned with the investigation of paranormal and psychic phenomena. Alright. I don't care yeah. about this story anymore. <laughs> so, this guy, anyway, uh, said that there were lots of like electrical and physical disturbances in... Uh, Sigmund Adams' office, which were caused by the tele- the telekinetic powers of his secretary Anne Marie. Um, this is the whole story is that this guy Sigmund Adam worked in a, a law firm, and their offices were constantly under attack by exploding lights um, and like mm-hmm. light bulbs swinging back and forth all over the place, uh, furniture being lifted and thrown across the room uh, fluid leaking from the office copier, that's just bad maintenance mate. Oh, yeah. um, but all of this stuff happened and like there was loads of outgoing calls made that couldn't have been made at that time and things like that but it only happened on weekends and none of it was captured on video isn't that strange? Hmm. Hmm. So there wasn't anyone in the just going in at the weekend and fucking everything up. It could have been. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, know, could have been. But, but um, yeah, Hans Bender, the parapsychologist, said, "Oh yes, this is the telekinetic powers of the woman." So, so this, you know, this this young this young woman, he was like, it, you know, it's her. She, he called her a typical poltergeist. Yeah. And. But then it also says she told him that she was frustrated with her job and distressed over a broken marriage engagement and that everything stopped when she left. So no one thought she's coming at the weekend and just fucking shit up, taking her anger out on the on everything here. Like, no, no, it's a poltergeist. Yeah. She's a poltergeist. It's. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you, right? I read this Wikipedia article when I was about 18. Yeah. And I was living by myself at the time. And I was 
not terrified or anything. But, mm. Like I was scared by it because I didn't like the idea of that being a thing that happened. No. But I'm reading it now, and it is so quite clearly a load of fucking bullshit. <laughs> and it's really annoying that I have become such a cynic that I just have no time for this kind of no, bullshit yeah. at all. No time for it. I, I gave up on this whole story when I read the phrase parapsychologist. So did I, as soon as I read that. <laughs> like, I actually thought that it was so, he was some kind of renowned like military guy. You know, uh, because I just read the word para, and I just thought, well, para troops, that's a thing. And I know that they are just guys who parachute, but for some reason I just thought that he had some hand in the military. But no, he was a pseudo-scientist and a bullshitter, basically. Yep. Um, and that's so, like, you wonder why people do this, but then you just have to think that, like, cryptozoology is a thing that mm. people are interested in. Yeah. And, like chasing Bigfoot is a thing people do, despite yep. the fact that that whole video was a complete hoax, and it's been admitted that it was a hoax. Yep. And there's there's this Twitter account called um, Unexplained Sightings, right? And the the picture of it is the typical picture. Still, of, you yeah. Know, you know the, the Loch Ness one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the Loch Ness picture, which was admitted that it was a fucking hoax. Oh, there's been about five or six different hoaxes, hoaxes, hoaxes. For the Loch Ness monster, there is. I yeah, yeah, I believe that's correct. Um, but there is, there's, there is a website that you can go on. I think I've mentioned this before. There's a website that you can go on, which from uh, some cottage or from some house, um, it's a web stream. It's a webcam stream of Loch Ness, and you can sit there and watch it for hours and hours and see if you can spot Nessie. Which is crazy. Have you seen Loch Ness? <sighs> It's massive. It's a fucking lake. Like, it's yeah. been explored from front to back. There is Top not... to bottom. Yeah, yeah there's, there is nothing hiding down there. They think there used to be a a, cir- a traveling circus that passed through there in... Oh, I don't know. I want to say maybe the uh, early 1900s. It could have been the 1800s, mm. something like that. But um, the uh, apparently the leading theory behind the whole Loch Ness Monster thing is that someone saw... Because there was a circus traveling through yeah. and the animals got loose and someone saw an animal they'd never seen before. Because you do see exotic oh, yeah. creatures at the zoo. And um, and that's pretty much where it came from, was that it was around the Loch Ness area. But that photo that you know, the black and white mm. one of the yeah, yeah. tentacle-looking thing or trunk of an elephant or whatever it is that's mm. sticking out of Loch Ness, or a, like a dinosaur's head kind of thing, yeah, yeah. Um, is a hoax. And it's been admitted that it was a hoax. And the first place it was ever published was the Daily Mail. So <laughs> that doesn't make your mind up. Nothing ever will. Like, you're committed to believing in something because you want to believe in it, and that's pretty much what yeah. it is. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It would be so uh. cool if there were things that we didn't know about the planet. Uh, sorry, oh, yeah. we, there are lots of well, things. Yeah, yeah. It would be so cool if there were things that... Like, it would be so cool if they found woolly mammoths in South America mm. tomorrow. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, you know, it's more likely that you'll find something at the bottom of the... Uh... The Mariana Trench than in Loch Ness. I've heard like there are increasing reports of people just being snatched from, as like kind of submarines become uh, mm. more and more well created yeah. and built and mass produced and stuff. Mm. There are those little pods that James Cameron used yep. to observe the bottom of Mariana's Trench. Uh, those are being mass produced, and this is a thing that they don't want you to know, but there are. So many reports of those surfacing with the glass shattered, Mm 
and nobody yeah. inside. Yeah, or just not surfacing at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, dark I don't know. Are at play. There are some very wet, dark forces at play. Yeah, and if you don't believe in things like that, well, you'll be the first to go. Yeah, they'll grab you from the shores before you know it. Yeah. Oh, that would be so scary. That would be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be terrifying. I know. And having a nice romantic stroll along the beach and suddenly just... <laughs> <laughs> gone. Because that's the sound that, that it would make. Exactly. No, no splashing, just a lot of airy kind of sounds. Yeah. Oh, that is a scary, scary thought. Did you see, by the way, that gif I tweeted you? Yes, I replied, didn't I? You did, yeah. Yeah, fucking terrifying. Yeah. Something that was akin to the um, you seen the one of the uh, the giant squid that was caught on uh, one of those deep sea diving cameras. Yes. Yeah, it's akin to that one, and that that terrifies me. Those are so cool. This was a good episode. Yeah. Two or horn a little bit. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very very <laughs> good. You all enjoyed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, calm down. Yeah. Parapsychologist. We'll, uh, we'll leave that, and then next week we'll do Ocean Mysteries or something. Oh, Jesus. Crikey. Ocean Mysteries. distinctly heard my grandmother call me and I remember thinking I wonder if I deserve to be here I'm not a perfect person and my grandmother said to me you were a child sent away to school and as a child we expected that you would spill your milk it's the manner in which you clean it up that gives us cause for pride. I asked what was the nature of the light when they told me that I would not be allowed to go in. I said, is the light gone? And it was communicated to me, no, the light is not gone. The light is what happens when God breathes. And at that point, I remember thinking, I'm standing in the breath of God. <laughs>